0: Wow, what a powerful song. Thank you. Thank you so much. And it's great to be with you today. Southwestern Seminary, Dr. Patterson, thank you for still inviting me to come to, to preach. Even though I left you twice, I uh, love you dearly and appreciate you. And uh, Mrs. Patterson, love you guys so much. Great respect for you. Granddaughter, Abby, there. God bless you. And, well, your dad's one of my favorite people, uh, Mark Howell. And thank you, brother, for your testimony, Nasser. It's very, very powerful. God bless you and your ministry. And I'm very, I'm very honored for a lot of reasons. My two favorite preachers in all the world are preaching in chapel this week. And Johnny Hunt preaches tomorrow, and Dr. Patterson on Thursday. And I'm kind of reminded of that biblical passage. Johnny Hunt, I know, and Paige Patterson, I know, but who are you, but I am delighted uh, to come and uh, preach God's Word. My wife is here, my wife Ashley, God bless you dear, love you. We are empty nesters and um, the kids are, are are gone and grown and uh, she's traveling with me more these days and I'm I'm so blessed. And uh, Pastors, the round table, God bless you men of God, I'm very, very honored to be able to preach God's Word to you and so you could do a much better job than me but I am here today to share and to encourage you as well and faculty and staff and Students, what a a blessing. Dr. Queen, love you, appreciate you, and uh, enjoyed being with Dr. McCarty this morning with the interview on the podcast. So, uh, so greetings. I greet you from our sister, uh, your sister church there at Great Hills Baptist Church in Austin, Texas. Been there going on eight years. Love our people, love what God is doing in our crazy city of Austin and uh, love what God is doing in and through our church. If you have your Bibles, which I'm sure you do, it's either on your phone or in your hand somehow, it's First Peter, I want you to turn with me to First Peter chapter five, and I wanna read uh, verses one through four to you in a moment and preach a message about the portrait of a true pastor. Today I'm gonna preach a message uh, from a pastor's heart to you pastors, you preachers, you men of God, you. Presbyteroi and episcopoi, and you men, uh, elders, shepherds of God's flock. Now, if you're here today and you're like, well, I'm not called to be a lead pastor, a senior pastor of a church, I think I'll just take a nap, you know, wake me up when we're done. But no, this this message, I hope it applies, I believe it will apply to you. Whatever your ministry is, a worship pastor, education ministry, recreation ministry, communication pastor, children's uh, preschool, students, whatever God has called you to do, and we're gonna study God's Word this morning. We're just gonna go line upon line, verse by verse. Dr. Allen, if that's okay with you, we're just going to go right with the text, the Word of God. Now, when I preach God's Word, I do get a little excited. I get a little animated. Sometimes I get a little loud. You just forgive me, or if you say amen, then that stirs me up, so be, be careful. So. But I love the Word of God, I love to preach God's words, especially to God's people, and encourage you, you students especially, as I have sat uh, where you sit today. And here, here's something that, I want to go ahead and say this now, it's like the Holy Spirit would not let me rest until I said what I'm about to say. There are so many churches in our Southern Baptist Zion that are struggling. Many traditional churches, great churches in the past, and they are struggling, and many of these good soldiers, these men of God, are going to retire. And Dr. Patterson, I'm, I'm asking, where's the next generation? Who are those men of God going to come behind me and many of these men in this room and pastor traditional Maybe struggling Southern Baptist churches. You say, Well, God's called me to plant a church. Praise the Lord, you need to do that. God's called me to go on mission, be a missionary. Praise the Lord, you need to do that. But I really believe in my heart, God's calling some of you to do what I'm doing to go to a traditional Southern Baptist church and plant your life there and pour your heart and ministry into that church and let God use you. Whoa, wait a minute, Brother Daddy. I've heard some stories. Brother, I got some stories. I got some rough stories, some horror stories, bad things, tough people, yes. But let me tell you, just because it's hard doesn't mean God's not in it. God could very well be calling you to go to some of these churches and plant your life. Thank you for letting me tell you that. I mean, that's just, I'm emotional when I share that because I hear a lot of guys who say, thanks, but no thanks, I don't want to do that. But you'll be... At your best, you'll be happiest if you'll if you'll do just what God's calling you to do. So, 1 Peter chapter 5. Let's let's read it. Ooh, this is such a powerful text. Lord, use me. God help me. The elders who are among you, I exhort. I, he's talking about the apostle Peter. I am a fellow elder, a presbyteroy, and I am a martyr, I am a witness. Of the sufferings of Christ. And koinonia, I partake and share in the glory that will be revealed. Now you elders, you presbyteroi, I give you the command, shepherd, poime, shepherd and take care of the flock of God which is among you, serving as Episcopoi, serving as an overseer. No, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being some lord over those entrusted to you, but being a tupas, being a type, being an example to the flock. And come on, verse 4. Woo! And when he comes... And who is this chief shepherd about whom Peter speaks? Well, we know who that is. Who said in John chapter 10, I am the shepherd, I'm the good shepherd. And when he comes, the chief shepherd appears. You will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Father, we are grateful for your word today. And we ask you in the name, above every name, Jesus, and through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us, God, through your word. Lord, lift up the discounted and the discouraged soul. Raise up the pastor who may be watching online today. I lift up, Lord, each person that is in this room, God, from the president all the way to the student, that everybody in between would be blessed, would be encouraged, they would be challenged, and the Word of God would be proclaimed. And Jesus Christ, you would receive all the honor and the glory because it is all about you. And it's for your glory, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Phillips Brooks said, don't stoop to be a king when God's called you to be a preacher. Dr. Patterson has a great word along the profession of a pastor. He calls it the second greatest profession in all the world, second only to motherhood. i always remember that. R.G. Puckett wrote a a little piece about the perfect pastor. Every time I read this, I get chuckled. I, I I just get tickled. Because if there ever is a a misnomer, it's that there is no perfect pastor. But he says, no, I've created the perfect pastor. And it goes like this. He's 26 years of age, and he's been preaching for 30 years. He is tall. He's also short. I resemble that statement. He's thin and heavy-set, and he's handsome. He has one brown eye and one blue. Hair is parted in the middle. The left side is straight, and the right is brown and wavy. He has a burning desire to work with the students, and he spends all of his time with the senior adults. He spends all of his time with a straight face because he has a sense of humor that keeps him seriously dedicated to his work. He makes 15 calls a day on church members, spends all of his time evangelizing the unchurched, and he never leaves the office. He's the perfect pastor. Well, you know, there is no perfect pastor. We are flawed men of God, but we have been called by an awesome God. To proclaim the Word of God behind the sacred desk of God filled by the Spirit of God to the people of God for the glory of God. That's what God has called us to do, to preach the Word, love the people, intercede for the people. And here's here's the Apostle Peter. The theme of this epistle is suffering. Or better said, the theme is to encourage those who are going through times of suffering. It's written around A.D. 63, 64, surely written before A.D. 66 because Peter, what? He gives his life for the cause of the gospel. Most likely, he dies a martyr's death through the crazed emperor Nero. But before he dies, he pens these words under the authority of the Holy Spirit and just as he wrote to those pastors and elders then I believe that the Spirit of God speaks to us through the Word of God today and I'm just saying God speak to us and encourage us and and challenge us and may we look at this portrait of a pure pastor and may we emulate these principles from the Word of God the first thing I would encourage you today is this know who you are and who you are not know who you are and know who you are not as a man of God It's interesting when you do the word studies of the presbyteroi and the episcopoi and the poema, the preaching of the pastor, and it's the same terminology. It's very fascinating to me. It's the same words, for example, that Paul uses to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20. Remember when he called them together at Miletus, and he says, I want to share these things with you. My my heart is just overflowing for you men of God. And here's what he said. He said, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus, and he called for the elders, same word presbyteros, of the church. And he said, therefore, take heed to yourselves, to all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you, and episkopos, same word, and that you would minister and shepherd, point mino, the, sh- the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. So I think about these words, the spiritually mature. Uh, these are the presbytos, the presbyteros, where we get the word presbyter or presbyterian. Episcopos, those who God has given this oversight ministry to his people, and then shepherd and and feed the flock of God. And so, here is Peter, and I I love what he says. He says, I am calling you, I am a fellow elder, and I'm calling you alongside of me. Listen to me very carefully what, what I have to say to you. I am Peter, not the great pontiff. I'm not the great pope giving these edicts and these papal bulls. That's not what he says. He says, I am a fellow pastor. Isn't that interesting? How in the world do we mess this up? Well, I've been reading Martin Luther's biography over the last few days and and weeks by Eric McTaxis. It's a great read. I would encourage you to read it. By the way, I love reading biographies and autobiographies. I'm reading two very divergent biographies right now. I'm reading Thomas Jefferson's new biography, by John Bowles, which is very fascinating. And I'm reading Eric Metaxas' book on Martin Luther. Ooh, let me tell you, Martin Luther, the, the debate there with Johannes Eck at, at Leipzig, and there he is. And he gives this quote. Ooh, listen to this quote. I wrote it down for you, just so you'll get it. Oh, here it is. A simple layman armed with scripture is to be believed above every pope and church council that's not armed with scripture. It's <laughs> a strong word. Peter knew who he was. I wonder if Peter today would look down and say, Pope, what? Me? Papacy? Giving edicts and holy father. Whoa, holy father. We have a holy father. It's not me. It's the Lord God Almighty. Listen, Peter knew who he was. Look at this closely. He says, I am a fellow elder. I'm a pastor just like you. And so he can speak. He can speak with authority. Because he is, as he said, one of them. He said, I'm a martus, verse one. It's where we get the English word martyr. I have suffered for christ and we know that in acts chapter 5 don't we? he's beaten acts chapter 12 he's imprisoned and then in a.d 66 he dies a martyr's death i think it's very important for us as men of god to know who we are and who we're not we are not ceos we are not God's gifted leaders to the world. We are simple men of God with a message from God who preach on the anointing and the power of God. It doesn't go to our head. It comes from our heart. And we, we're not puffed up and arrogant and proud of this. My word, how in the world could we be puffed up, arrogant and proud when our Savior died on a cross for our sins? And the, mm, brother, you just read the kenosis just a minute ago. He emptied himself, not of his deity. He can't do that. He's God. But he emptied himself of those, some of those great privileges. And he comes to us and he calls us to the gospel ministry not with hubris and arrogance and pride but we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and he lifts us up and he uses us as his preachers as his pastors and what a calling what a blessing to be called of God to be a pastor to be a minister to be a preacher I love Robert Mary McShane's quote you've heard this he died a very early death he, in Scotland at age 29 7,000 people come to his funeral in 1843 but before he dies he's preaching a fellow ministers ordination sermon and he says don't forget the culture of the inner man pastor don't forget the heart remember you are God's sword you're his instrument and I trust you are a chosen vessel unto him to bear his name listen to this preacher in great measure according to the purity and perfections of the instrument will be the success it is not great talents God blesses so much as great likeness to Jesus. A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. End of quote. So know who you are. and Know who you're not. Peter says, I, a fellow pastor. Second thing I want to leave with you today is fulfill your responsibilities. Fulfill your mission, your duty. I tell you what. I Got real tempted to do something dr. Queen and I I don't think dr. Patterson would let me so I didn't do it right I almost came in fatigues I Almost came in some army Garb military garb if I could find some that would fit this small body and put it on and just come up here and say hello students Hello faculty I'm a soldier and I'm coming off the front lines in Austin And I'm laboring for the gospel, and I'm preaching the Word of God. I, I, I feel like maybe that's what they do at West Point. They, they bring some of those generals off the front lines, and they come to those of you who are about to go to the front lines and give a report and say, We are serving, and, and how can I help you? How can I admonish you? How can I encourage you? And I know some of you are already in Pastoring and you're already preaching, but many of your students and you are soaking it in and you're learning and you're you're ready to Sharpen your mind with orthodoxy praise the Lord sharpen your hands and you're preaching with orthopraxy praise the Lord But the best part is what I call ontology or the essence of the ethics of who you are It's mm, a holy minister in the hand of God. That's an awesome awful weapon so I just come from the front lines and I do exactly what I'm encouraging you to do. I pray, I fast, I seek the Lord, I preach the word, I visit the hospitals. You say, no, you don't. You pastor some big church, you don't, you don't go visit the hospitals. You let some of those underlings go visit the hospitals. No, no, no. My wife and I, every Wednesday, we go out into the hospitals. I'm going to tell you something, Dr. Patterson, those sick people love to see me, but they really love to see my wife. They just like, woo, she's a lot prettier than you, brother. So come on in and visit with us and pray for us. And that's what we do. We, we love our people, and we, we love our people. We minister to our people, and that's what God's calling us to do, to fulfill our responsibilities. He says, poimino, shepherd, take care of the flock of God. That's an aorist act of imperative. That's the, that's the message, I think, the heart of this pericope, if you will, this small paragraph of what I'm preaching is shepherd. How do you do that, by the way? I think you do it in some ways that rhyme. I think you lead them, you feed them, you're willing to bleed for them, and you intercede for them. You cast vision, you lead well, and you you feed them well. You feed them the nutrients of the Word of God. Jerry Vine says, what satisfies the layman more than anything is the preaching of the Word of God, the teachings, the, the nutrients of Scripture. Don't don't just read Scripture and depart from it, never to come back again. By the way, that is the popular brand of homiletics today in most of our Southern Baptist churches. You read the text, you depart from the text as if I've got got more important things to say than God's got to say. And say, well, I'll just give you some, some pep talk and some encouragement, and I'll come back to the Scripture. Maybe I'll come back to the Scripture. This is the Word of God. I'll read it, never to come back to it. Don't do that. Read the Word of God. Study that scripture and then preach the scripture. Because what God has to say is a whole lot more powerful. Now, y'all looking at me like, that's not really happening. That's really happening. No, I promise you. You say, well, that's how you grow a big church. Don't let the Bible get in the way of a good sermon. That's what one guy said up in, in Harvard. He said, don't let the Bible get in the way of a good sermon. I'm just telling you, I have no sermon without the Bible. This is God's word, this is God's message. When in Austin, Texas, they don't don't want to hear it. Listen, a lot of people don't want to hear it anyhow, but that didn't stop me from preaching it. Preach it in season and out of season. When I want to and when I don't want to. When they want to hear it, when they don't want to hear it. Fulfill your duties, sir. Preach the word of God. I know I'm preaching to preachers. Y'all forgive me. I'll come back to my notes here. That's why I keep these notes, to keep me on focus, on task. I love this episcopuntus, this present participle. It's an interesting word, isn't it? Epi which, like epidermis covering skin that covers the body. Scopeo is to look, to observe. where we see it in microscope and telescope. He says, that's what you do, pastor. You look over. You give oversight to your flock, and you love them. You feed them the word of God. You you nurture them. You counsel them. I mean, I don't know what the early church did without texting. You know, I don't know. You know, I get texted all the time. Would you pray for me about this? Would you come do this for me? Would you think? And, and you know, most of the time, I, I was, unless it's on Saturday night. A lot of times on Saturday night, I say, well, I'm going to bed. I love you. God bless you. I'll preach to you tomorrow. But what an honor. What an honor. If somebody would call you and text you and say, pray for me. Or I'm about to share the gospel with somebody, Pastor. Would you intercede on my behalf? That is a blessing. That's, I do this, by the way, willingly. And Peter says that's what you're supposed to do, not under constraint, not under compulsion. Mm, Can I just go ahead and get to this part of the sermon? We do this because we want to and we get to, not that we have to. That's what he's talking about, that compulsion. Do it willingly. Oversight. And I don't know what your primary responsibility is in your local church. And it's interesting, if I were to raise your hand, there would be a smorgasbord, a very eclectic group here today from a president to a dean to a professor, administrator, a faculty member, to a student who's a part-time maybe student today or a full-time student in a part-time church position. Listen, this applies to all of us. If you're a worship pastor, let me just give you this example for a moment. If you're a worship pastor, your primary responsibility is not good notes and tone and diction, and good rehearsals your primary responsibility is to lead the flock of God he's put under your care you care for them you love them now I love good music and I love good rehearsals and I like the way that sounds but this applies to all of us it's a deep call of God to all of us no matter what your particular ministry is you, you you give oversight you give leadership and you feed them you encourage them as the Apostle Peter encourages us here first Timothy 517 for us pastors the he says, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. You see, it's no labor in the word. What? He's mistaken. I could do a little sermon. I can put a sermon together in just a few minutes. It's not a very good sermon. And Brother Barry asked me. He says, "Well, tell me about your sermon preparation. It's six days a week. I take." One day off, it's Friday. That's the only day I don't look at my sermon. Every other day, I'm studying. He said, well, you're a slow learner, brother. You just need, you need to get a better... Well, no, that's just the way I do it. A little, little manuscript. And I said, why do you do that? There's a book over here in the library called Expository Preaching Without Notes. I didn't read it, all right? I didn't write and read that book. <laughs> I have a funny story, though, Dr. Patterson. A Sunday, I ain't not plan on telling you all this. This is free. It's 1049. I'll, I'll hurry before the trap door gets me. But I, um, I was... I stood up to preach Sunday morning. We had Bill Gaither and the Gaither Vocal Band Saturday night. Oh, my word. We had just a holy hoot nanny party. I mean, people were just, i never seen so many gray hairs waving arms. and Just, whoo, they were shouting. And so, when they left late that night, Saturday night, come Sunday morning, I stood up to preach, and I was like, whoa, whoa, guys, hold on. I, couldn't, I could not see. I said, I'm not the Gaithers. I don't need all these lights. I'm, it's just me, and they couldn't figure it out. So I walked away from my notes, and for 45 minutes, I preached a whole sermon without notes, a miracle of God. <laughs> but I, you can, I told you that was free. Anyhow, <laughs> Hebrews 13, 17. I don't know how to pronounce this word, Dr. Patterson. Hegemony, hegemony, jambalaya, crawfish. I don't know how to, you, you know the word, don't you? When he says in Hebrews 13, 17, obey those who rule over you. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls, as those who must give account. Are you listening, Pastor? Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. So we give leadership. Rule's a strong word. John Piper is right. Brethren, we are not professionals. We are, we are pastors and, and shepherds. And then he goes through this process about our motives, about not doing it because you have to. but. You get the privilege of doing it. Dr. Patterson, I'm going to quote you again. You have, and I quote him, and he says, you have leadership, not because you declare it, but you walk with God and you earn it. You earn that leadership. And John Morgan, pastor down at Sagemont in Houston, he said, Pastor, let me tell you something. If you have to keep reminding the people that you are the pastor, he said, you're in trouble. (laughs) You're in trouble. Harvey McKay wrote the book, Swim with the Sharks. It's not a Christian book, but it has some application for us as, as pastors. He tells a story um, about a man, Harvey McKay is his name. He founded Pillsbury Milling Company. I'm gonna date myself here, but I'm, I'm gonna date you too. I want you to raise your hand if you've ever seen the Pillsbury Doughboy. Do y'all remember that? What happens when you poke him in the tummy? Some of these Gen X millennials are going, y'all lost your mind. What is that? He did. He giggled when you poke him in the tummy, right? Well, the genius and the man behind that was, was this guy. He was um, Philip Pillsbury was his name. Harvey McKay wrote the article. Philip Pillsbury, Pillsbury Milling Company. He had this reputation among the people he worked with that he was a roll up your sleeves, get in there in the middle of the work kind of guy. Three of his fingers... Were cut off because he accidentally put his hand in a milling in a grind and it took his fingers off McKay who's writing this story about Pillsbury says this and I quote he says the higher you go the more important it is to stay in touch with your customers listen to me pastor listen to me carefully you don't have to put your hand in a grain roller to prove you're a good manager but you should walk your plant every day an example being with your people. I love that, tupas, an example. It's the imprint. You leave an imprint, tupas, for the people that you serve and minister to. I just wonder, if everybody took on your spiritual nature and temperament of the ministry that you lead, how healthy would that ministry be? Just asking. Scares me to death. They say, well, pastor, be careful because the church will take on the personality of the senior pastor. And there's a lot of truth in that. It scares me to death. I'm like, oh my word. He said, well, what do you want them to look like? When you're done, maybe you go to glory and you look back on Great Hills Baptist Church. What do you want those people to look like? What kind of indelible mark did you leave on them? Here, here's what I want to leave them. Here's what I want to leave you. That they love the Word of God and they love to take the gospel to the nations. That's what I want to leave with people. That's the indelible impression I want my life to make in, in my ministry. The last thing I want to share with you is this. is Remember, there's coming some rewards okay know who you are who you're not do your duty sir ma'am do your duty in your ministry and then finally anticipate the coming reward and this is found in verse 4 the chief shepherd is none other than the lord jesus john 10 11 i referenced it earlier i'm the good shepherd the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep there's a stephanos coming that's the word crown for them, it was a laurel wreath with flowers that would fade. But this amaranth flower, it's actually, that Greek word we get this word from, it's an interesting word because it's a flower that it, it, it's hard to lose its, its glow. And if you pluck it, you put it in some water, it'll just continue. And, and Peter's saying, listen, they labor for a reward, a crown that will fade. Mercy. But God's going to give us what? That fadeth not away. Can you imagine that? All the labor, all the toil, all the work, all the service for King Jesus. Hey, by the way, I know you're smart, and I know you're brilliant, and I know you could do a whole lot of other things. Just get over that, okay? God called you. Just get beyond that. Well, then I'll just be God's gift to the church because I'm so amazing. You no, know, you're not. I'm just here to tell you, you're, you're, you're not, not all, all that Jesus it's all of that. I can, I can tell you right now, I can walk up down these aisles right now and spend a few minutes with you, and I can tell you who's going to be effective and who's not in this seminary. You say, ooh, that's mighty spiritual of you, brother. no. It's just common sense. Those who are humble, those who are hungry, and those who are just saying, Jesus, it's all about you, watch her. Watch him, because that's the person God loves to use. The arrogant one, well, I'm just really brave. Probably going to get my PhD. Might get two or three PhDs and just be amazing. Nope. just God pass them by? God just pass right over them because God is attracted to humility and to meekness. All right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is what? The kingdom of heaven. Okay, I'm, I'm just about done. Let me, let me fold this up. I'm done, but I'm really not. But I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> I don't think it's apocryphal. I, I think it's true. But I'm going to tell it as if it is. My favorite president It's his favorite president. That would be TR, right? Theodore Roosevelt. He's still your favorite. I was thinking maybe Obama would be up there, but I'm just kidding. (laughs) Theodore Roosevelt was a... I encourage you, read the three volumes of Edmund Morris. It's, It's amazing. His daughter said, My dad is the bride of every wedding, and he's the corpse of every funeral. He's just larger than life. That's Teddy Roosevelt. He was coming off a big African hunt, sailing into New York Harbor. And there was a missionary couple... on the same boat, entering the same harbor. And there was a fanfare, there was a band, there was a welcoming committee for the president as he came off of hunting, big game in Africa. But guess who was there to meet this little missionary couple, spent 30 years serving in Africa? There was nobody there. And the man, it's usually us, bless our souls, we start feeling sorry for ourselves. And we start whining, And that's what this guy did with his wife. He goes, nobody here for us. I mean, this is is a politician, and this is a hunter, and and look, you see what I see, and who's here for us? We spent our lives for the gospel, and there ain't nobody here to beat us. And then she said these words, Oh, honey, we're not home. We're not home yet. Father, I thank you for these men and these women. Thank you, Lord, that they love you. They've heeded the call some at a great sacrifice. Lord, thank you for Peter. Thank you, Lord, for his message to the church today. I pray pray that this message landed on a heart that was ready to hear and be challenged, to be that leader, servant leader, pastor, preacher, minister that you've called him to be. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the call of God on our lives. And finally, Lord, I do I always want to be sensitive and and fully aware that there are men and women in this room right now. Some, Lord, are in a very deep place, a valley, and they're wondering, I'm just not sure if I can do this. I'm just not really sure. And God, they're questioning in the dark what you clearly showed them in the light. So I pray for her that you would bless her, oh God. I pray for him that you would renew his strength, renew his mind. God, through the preaching of the word of God from a simple man of God, may they march out of this sanctuary today saying, God, thank you. You have revisited my call and you have encouraged me and challenged me just because it's hard. Lord, I can't quit. I have to press on and I pray that they will. Thank you, Lord, for our time together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.